my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy, Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy World Maritime Day, Joe. As a couple of nautical fellows, I felt this one was not in any way appropriate because neither of us is good at sea. Aren't you in the sea right now? I'm by the sea and the waves are lashing the shores of the Isle of Man because there was a heavy storm last night and the winds are still howling today. Poker Stars Island. More on that coming up on today's show. We got poker news up the wazoo's. Updates, 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 update on WCOOP and wow. Uh, I guess we could probably replay some of last week's show, but things are starting to get nuts. Anyway, Howard Swains will be here with us for that update on yesterday's Super High Roller broadcast. Actually, um, it was only slightly longer than this show. <laughs> also will be included in that update. Update on UKIPT London. James Hardigan uh, will be here with us for that. Is here with yes. us for that. I'm here. Uh, update on NAPT Las Vegas. The Vice President of Poker Stars North America, Steve Price, will be here with us for that. Update on the World Series of Comedy, Joe Stapleton will be here with us for that. Update on the musical Hamilton, what? Oh, right, that's the superfan thing this week. Mark Johnston, superfan, will be here with us for that. Yes. Before we get into the fun stuff, one, one slight little update foray into the serious stuff from last week. My buddy Khalid, the guy from Afghanistan, he's still looking for a job. If anyone out there knows of any work in Kent, Canterbury area, please get in touch, and uh, I will put you in touch with him. Just a quick little uh, job posting at the top of the show here. All right, so I did not do an update on the World Series of Comedy on my Twitter or on my Facebook because I wanted to share it here on the podcast first. And uh, you know how I always say that Poker and stand-up are really, really, really similar. Yes. So, um, first of all, I'm yeah. guessing the fact that you didn't post anything on your social media. Had you won the World Series of Comedy, I don't think you would have saved that for the podcast. It would have been hard to keep a lid on that. Yeah. So, yeah. just just to recap, World Series of Comedy had about 800 entrants total. Um, based on my various performances at the satellites, I made the top 101, which started in Vegas. Um, the top 101, the outer round had 45 comics in it. At my particular heat, had 15 of those comics. I won that heat outright, uh, and then moved on to the next round. So I, so I beat probably like 40 comics basically uh, in that section. So then the next round had nine comics in it, and the top two got through. And here's why it's like. Um, why it's like poker, especially for me. This round of the World Series of Comedy went exactly the way the World Series of Poker went for me, which is that I had an absolutely awful table draw and I had an absolutely awful seat draw. I, uh, my seat draw was number one. I had to go first in the lineup of this group of nine. And I'm not going to lie, James. You know me. I'm pretty reasonable about how I think I did. I fucking killed I crushed. It was one of my best performances ever. But as you know, James, that in a situation like this, when you go first, it is nearly impossible to get a perfect score. Of course. And it's the same with the Eurovision Song Contest. Whoever goes first is doomed because no one remembers them after they've seen all the other acts. Correct. Uh, it's very tough to be remembered. It's very tough to get a perfect score because the judges might go, well, that was pretty good, but how can I give the first person I see a perfect score? We got to save some room in case someone is better. And 
what I did is I got the room real hot. It was a 6 p.m. show, which is not always the best time to see comedy. And I got the room super, super hot. So uh, all the comedians who went after me had a really hot crowd. And I'm now I will not. So again, like my World Series of Poker, bad table draw, bad seat draw. And then I proceeded to get my ass kicked by players who were better than me. Um, right. Now, good comedians went on after me. I'm not going to say that other people uh, went on after me and got lucky. But I ended. Uh, a guy came up to me about three quarters of the way through the show and said, "Amazing set, you crushed. You're not getting through, but good job." Because it was so obvious that the room was so hot, and I just had no shot from there. So um, I was really bummed out. I was pretty pissed off, to be perfectly I can honest. Because um, I, I, you know, I really thought I had a shot at least to make it to the semifinals, which would have been the next round. So, and as you know, James, even like when it comes to poker. I would much rather it be my fault than just get unlucky. I would much rather be able to say, hey, here's a spot I fucked up. Here's a thing that I could do better. And there's unfortunately nothing I could have really done. No, not, And that's no consolation to me. That doesn't make me uh, super happy. So I left Vegas at like 7 a.m. the next morning, um, forgetting that the big networking day was the following day. So like the... There's, the sell is like, hey, come do the World Series of Comedy, but even if you don't win, if you do well, you can go like network with club managers and with people. That, right. And I fucking skipped that part like an idiot. Okay, so all in all, no success was achieved whatsoever. A little bit of success. I had a couple people give me their business cards. My, okay, fine. My management was there, and they were very proud of me and, and were happy about it. So, it, you know, it, it's fine. Well, again, like poker, with a little bit of hindsight, I don't feel as bad about it, but I was pretty fucking pissed off in the moment. It oh, did man. leave me – look, and I immediately got back to L.A. and got some of my time back. As you know, I've been crazy busy since April. So um, it, I did get a chance to go to the movies. Now, I wanted to take a guess here. Uh, when okay. I went to the cinema – and when someone asked my girlfriend what movie we went to see, she said, uh, uh, um, The Vanisher. You want to venture a guess what movie that was? Oppenheimer? <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad of a guess. No, we went I'm to- I'm just trying to think where her mind's at. He made people vanish. That's true. That's true. Uh, we went to see a, a movie called uh, A Haunting in Venice. Oh, the uh, latest Kenneth Branagh Hercule Poirot movie. Correct. Right? I really like those Poirot movies. I would go see one of those every year, no problem. This one was my least favorite so far, but uh, yes, we went to go see The Vanisher, a.k.a. A Haunting in Venice. She fell asleep by the end, which is what happens every single time we see a whodunit. She falls asleep for the reveal. Um, we did catch up on the Indiana Jones movies. We we uh, we watched The, the Last Crusade. Oh, um, well... Interesting that you've been watching those movies. More to come later on. Um, the Last Crusade, I find it's not as good as I remember it being when I first saw it. It had a very small diminishing return for me. That, yeah. I remember that seeing that movie was maybe the best day of my life up until that point, going to see that movie. That was like a really, really special, important day for me. But unfortunately, so we were doing is we're working our way up to the Dial of Destiny. So that Ooh. means, yeah, we had to watch... 
the Kingdom of the Crystal no, Skull. You don't have to watch it. That movie does not exist in my mind. It's really weird, James, because that movie it was way worse than I remembered it. And I remember leaving the theater thinking, oh my God, what a steaming pile. And watching it years later at home was worse. I know. I know. It's in, it's incredible. It only gets worse and worse with each repeated viewing. It's in, especially the incredibly bad and dated CGI. Really, really bad. Like I don't know why you would even write those scenes into the movie, to be honest. But um, now I will say, I guess they did a good job because the dial of destiny, the dial was turned way down for expectations. The dial of destiny is okay, but the. The weird part is, do you remember seeing Crystal Skull and thinking, ah, oh, man, Harrison Ford's a little too old for this? Oh, way too old. But it was kind of, he was presented as too old and it was meant to be kind of handing the baton on to Shia LaBeouf, which fortunately never happened. But that movie was what, 2008? Yes. And here we are 15 years on. Yes. How is he still doing this? He is way too old in Dial of Destiny. Like, he's painful. Like, you're like, he doesn't look even happy to be in this movie. Um, but it, having said that, it's still okay. It's not, I'm glad I, I like, I don't think I would have regretted going to the theater, but it's decent. It's all right. It's like, it, compared, to, I, if Crystal Skull never existed, maybe Dial of Destiny would be complete garbage bags yeah. but luckily it did so it's hard to be worse than that two other movies i want to mention really quick talk to me is a horror movie that is getting great reviews and it's well worth it and i saw a movie called bottoms about uh two gay girls in high school and it's completely batshit crazy and it's really funny it's like part joseph khan's detention part airplane part another another teen movie part but i'm a cheerleader really cool good stuff loved it uh and I, I'm watching Billions, James. I'm watching well, Billions. I'm in it. Good for you. I'm in it. Um, I do believe that poker has made a reappearance in Billions, judging from what I've seen on social media. Uh, I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm about four episodes okay. in. Okay. So you're not aware of the appearance of a certain poker player who used to be part of the Poker Stars roster? No. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, well, apologies for the part spoiler, okay. but maybe that's just made you more excited to see it. Um, of course, if you want to watch Pure Poker, the Mystery Cash Challenge continues. We're now three episodes into this six-episode series, so we still haven't seen anyone other than Alexandra Botez win anything. Um, not going to say whether that narrative continues or not, but episode four, I believe, will drop this coming Saturday. New episodes every Saturday on the Pokestars YouTube channel. And the reaction, the response to the series from pretty much everyone I've spoken to has been incredibly positive. Yeah, I think that, look, and no, no knock to the show, I think that people just are happy to see some cash game shows that we've put out. You know, it's been a while since yeah. uh, we've done anything like that. You just get a different feel in a cash game show. You know what I mean? It's not the same as a tournament. It's people that have chosen to be together. People have chosen to play together, and that's always going to create a different dynamic. And I think that this this dynamic works really, really well. We've uh, Credit to all the players who, uh, who played in this thing because some of them didn't know each other all that well getting into it, but they all got the spirit of the game, and it's a really, really fun watch. Yeah. Why, um, so why are you in the... Wait, do you have movies you want to go over? Have you seen anything? No, no. I was going to talk about UKIPT London. Okay, go ahead. Um, 
mainly because that was where I spoke to many players who gave positive Got feedback it. on the cash challenge. Um, but also, it was an event I felt a little bit guilty about because obviously I got to play Brighton and I would love to have played the main event or at least the cup in London, but I had a weekend away in New York booked. So I was only there for the first two days of the UKIPT and the first night was a staff tournament. It was a flutter invitational. So that wasn't even a proper poker tournament. But the following night was the charity event, which replaced the nightly 220. Um, so it was a 220 pound no limit hold'em tournament with unlimited re-entries, but with £50 of every buy-in, plus all fees going towards the charity, Billy Chip. And it was a fun event, and I really enjoyed it. And I guess it was probably helped by the fact that I played reasonably well and ran pretty well, made the final table. Oh, wow, cool. Made it through the bubble to the final six, so earned myself a min cash. Uh, full disclosure, as I was free rolled into this tournament by PokerStars, I felt it was only good and proper that when I cashed out for 460 quid that I gave that money to the charity. But That's crucially, nice. it goes on my Hendon Mob page, and thank you to Roland for letting me know that I've leapfrogged about 40 people on Ireland's all-time money list. Um, Are you in the quadruple digits or the triple digits on the Ireland all-time money list? Probably, uh, or quintuple? In, as in, where am I ranked on yeah, the list? Yeah, are you in the thousands, in the 10,000s? I'm in the thousands. I'm in the okay. thousands, I okay. think. Yeah, so you're, on, yeah, you're, yeah. you're in the top 10,000 poker players from Ireland? I, I would like to think so, That's yes. That's pretty good. Um, so, uh, what else happened in London? Oh, Marley played the charity event and missed out on the final table, but she did win the ladies' event. And it was a chap called Dylan Bradley who won the main event for just over 70K. Um, and I think there are two more stops on the UK IPT in 2023, Edinburgh and Nottingham. Now, Edinburgh, I don't know if I'm going to make it there because it falls between Cyprus and Vegas and it might just be a bit too much. And Nottingham is while we're going to be in Vegas. So sadly, I'll miss out on the grand final. That should be a great event for several reasons. It's the final of the 2023 season. It's at Dust Till Dawn, which is a great venue. And it has a £1 million guarantee oh, wow. on the prize pool in this 1K buy-in. So if you can't make it to Vegas, can I point you in the direction of Nottingham? you got to be able to go to one of the two. I mean, that's it. That's everyone covered. Vegas or Nottingham, the two destinations in the world. Yes. Indeed. Um, you were asking, I believe, why I'm on the Isle of Man today. Yes. Yeah, so I did a bit of a, a, did a, bit of a Stapleton. Um, having finished the WCOOP stream last, late last night, well, not that late, but late enough as far as a work day is concerned, got up at 5.30 this morning to get an early morning flight to the Isle of Man, was here for a big company meeting. I'm here recording the podcast this afternoon. We'll stay here overnight and then fly back to London in the morning. Nothing too exciting and nothing, unfortunately, has any bearing on what we're doing. Crucially, I've got to be back in London because we've still got some streams to do because there's a lot happening in the world of online poker right now. So wait, so you, all right, so when we finish this podcast, it's going to be like 4 or 5 p.m. What do you have planned on the Isle of Man, a whole night to yourself? What What's happening on the social scene? So, a couple of our friends and colleagues who are based here, Strag and Brandon, who, by the way, finished fifth in the charity event that I played nice. in London, um, they have plans, and it involves something called Sadaloki, which I believe is some country and western-themed dive bar where they have karaoke. Is it karaoke I'm while sold. you're riding a mechanical bull? 
I don't know, but I'm down for it. It sounds awesome, so that's what I've got planned for this evening. Very cool. You do love karaoke. I hear the word oki in there, so hopefully it's not uh, while riding at Mechanical Bull. That's the thing. The, the saddle bit, the dive bar <laughs> bit I don't care about is the karaoke element that I'm particularly interested in. Uh, but I tell you what, no one, no one loves karaoke more than our next contributor. Well, WCOOP 2023 is into the home straight now, and we have finally started our Cards Up coverage of the World Championship of Online Poker. Last night, we streamed the final table of the 25K Super High Roller, and next week, we're bringing you the last three days of the 10K main event. That will be Monday through Wednesday. Our WCOOP correspondent joined us on yesterday's broadcast, and today, he's back for more. He's got the looks, he's got the brains. He's Howard Swayze. So Howard, I just referenced last night's stream. We watched Juan Pardo, Malacca style, win the super high roller like a boss. Apparently he wasn't done for the night. Yeah, I I wasn't sure if you were perhaps like jumping from one to the other, uh, obviously without cards up. But yeah, he was also at the medium uh, final table of that same event. So and and he won it. And he won it. Oh, so wow. he won the he he won the twenty five k super high roller that you were watching, and he also won the two k super Tuesday, the same event. Yeah, pretty pretty mad that uh, that was uh, so that was another one hundred and four k on in addition to the nearly five hundred k one in the one that you were watching uh yeah made him an, another double champion this year we've had a few times now where there's been a player that's won two in a single night we still haven't yet had a three in one night uh winner but that's obviously got to come within the next couple of years i'd say but uh yeah i mean what a boss like uh okay. yeah i mean that's that's pretty pretty incredible winning those two major titles at the same time so i mean obviously we've had two tonight before and two in the same event before someone's won the high in the meet medium before i guess or the high and the low but we just have never had someone win the low we've never had three tonight, and we've yeah. never had the low medium and high <laughs> yet you see yeah I'm, i mean we would have we would have thought that was like completely impossible uh, a few years ago because we i still had a list of like the people that had done two in one night now to be honest i've stopped updating that because it's i mean it's still pretty scarce but it's like uh, it's not completely unheard of but yeah three in a night that would be ridiculous yeah, so I'm putting a spin on this story, Howard. Juan Pardo failed to win the low of Event 76. <laughs> and that's, that's why... That's the real Malacca. And that's <laughs> why, as incredible as this achievement is, it's not quite enough to overshadow Benny Glazer. We talked last night about how this is the story of the series because Benny is owning this series. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's true. There's there's really no other way to describe it. Last year, I'll just point this out. Last year, Benny won four titles, right? And that's pretty spectacular. But uh, just in case, uh, you know, you don't know what we're talking about, he has won six titles this year. I mean, no one's ever won six before. The most we ever had in one series was... Uh, uh, Dennis Strebkov in 2018, who won five. Uh, but so Benny's won six, and he's won it in six different disciplines as well. I, I mentioned this briefly last night, but it's worth talking about again. He won Badugi, he won the Deuce to Seven triple draw, the Deuce to Seven single draw, the PLO8, the five card draw, and then finally he won a 
no limit hold'em. He doesn't normally win these ones. He doesn't normally play so many of them. Uh, he's a mixed game specialist, as we know. But yeah, he finally got that uh, no limit hold'em monkey off his back too. It was in a six max, uh, and all of that means that in total for his career, he's got fourteen W Coupe titles. He's got ten in scoops, so that's twenty-four combined coupes, if you like. Um, and he's broken that most in a series uh, record. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's not finished. Um, who It's been possible to bet against him getting another one before the series is out. But even if he doesn't, I think... Uh, I think he can he can safely say that six in a series is uh, is a pretty good pretty good return. I yeah. have I have questions, but I should probably direct them to Benny. So I'll just I'll just hold <laughs> off. I, I mean, you got you got to think right that when you have six wins minimum this year, right? Because we're not over yet. It's entirely possible he binks one or two more. How do you follow that up? Do you come back next year like, I'm going to win nine? I'm going to win 11? Like, you take a year off. Retire. Exactly. No, you retire. At least you've got to quit off. at the top. So, yeah. So, I'll, I, I mean, I, I think for Benny, it's it's the no limit holder because he, he had that really good result in Vegas, didn't he? In live no limit holder yes. fairly recently. So, he's obviously sort of diversifying a little bit, but maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's like, in in normal circumstances, you'd say obviously he's running massively over expectation. But is he? I mean, like he's won he won four last year. He won like uh, you know he's won multiple titles before. Every scoop is the same. Every double scoop's the same. So it's basically just about bang on. He's also finished runner up twice. I should add. Yeah, and like, I think so. <laughs> I think last year was when he had like a flurry of second place finishes. Right, he could yeah. have had double digit wins. Yeah, um, yeah. Moving away from Benny, let's talk about some of the other double champs you mentioned their names last night but are there any more to add to the list because i got the impression quite a lot of tournaments concluded yesterday yeah there was some more actually last night uh so we got this player called rebozeo who i didn't know but yeah the brazilian media has identified him as renan brandau uh so he's now won two low titles, which is always pretty cool because those are obviously the huge, yeah. the huge fields. So uh, this player won the 550 Turbo EKO freeze out wow. for 2,700 last night and won the $33 PKO Sunday warm up on the first weekend. Uh, they're Like I said, they're both low designation tournaments. Then, So their fields were 8,000 and 6,000. So that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, arguably you could say someone's going to have to do that because just the number of, uh, you know, tournaments there are, but even so, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty mad. Uh, yeah. And then wizard of Oz, wizard off as like, that's another, Brazilian player we've heard of, of him before uh, he won the second one last night as well I mean should I just rattle through we've got 15 people who've got more than one title Benny's got six Jerry Odin's got three then we've got Connor Drynan Dennis Trebkov Rui Ferreira Tobias Lechnis Renan Bruschi Patrick Leonard Juan Pardo from last night and the people whose names we don't know Nyla Winner NI Casinos, Mickey 8282, Narcissus 90, and yeah, Wizard of Az. So yeah, pretty good. 15, uh, 15 multiple champions so far. Well, my follow-up to that, Howard, is is this normal? And what I mean by that is are we on par with other coupes in terms of multiple winners? And also in terms of top pros claiming trophies. I think uh, top pros definitely. I mean, it, it just kind of always is this way, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, there there are so many players that we would now probably consider top pros that, uh, you know, 
there's there's just a good a good healthy smattering of those i mean michael adam 011 this week uh you know those kind of people in terms of multiple champions we are possibly a little bit behind actually so last year in total we had 29 multiple champions uh obviously as the tournament as the series gets towards the end uh we get a few more because there's uh you know there's obviously so many more winners from from previously so we'll probably get into the 20s but we may fall a little bit short i mean mainly because benny's been winning them all so you know how could anyone else win them but uh yeah a little bit behind par i would say on on multiple champions huh well, talking of the top pros, we had David Peters at the final table of the Super High Roller last night, and I saw on the information that Patrick provided us that he had yet to win a W Coupe. And then I see that he bagged his first title and Mike Watson won another title. Yeah, kind of funny, huh, that uh, David Peters had never won one before, but he did, yeah. So he won the, He won a four max last night. Uh, he beat uh, Fabiano Kowalski heads up. Uh, that was for 38K. But yeah, can't, I can't believe really that David Peters has never won one. And yes, Sir Watts, uh, Mike Watson, a bit more familiar name in these big tournaments. He's won his fourth. Uh, that was in a 1K six max PKO. Uh, he must have been absolutely like running through that table because he won 29K from the main prize pool, but 49K in Ooh. bounties. So that's like tons more than anybody else. I think the nearest was about 8,000. Uh, yes, yeah, so he got 78k combined. Uh, he's previously won titles in 2016, 18, and 21, but that's his first first of this year. I think he's also got a second, to be honest. But yep, uh, big names winning uh, winning again as usual. Pretty good that's year for Mike Watson, 2020. Two time EPT winner as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, very quickly, how we're going to look at the series overall. We're heading into the final weekend, so. Talking of the headline stats, I imagine those numbers are now kind of approaching the... Well, we've got the main events to come, but I imagine they're still pretty big. It's a big yeah, week. Pri price, yeah, prize pools have now gone past 60 million, uh, and the winners have got more than 10 million. So 248 tournaments completed, 658,000 entries, 60 point six, well, 60 million, 690,000 in prize pools. <laughs> yeah, first prize is a 10 million 248 so yeah uh big numbers as you say but those main events are going to boost that massively too yeah um and player of the series last night i think we were both a little bit shocked to learn that benny is not the runaway favorite did he manage to put any more distance between himself and foul first last night i'm not sure if you know this but the opposite foul first now <gasps> leads player no. of the series. yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I honestly don't know how it happens but yeah I, I i was shocked myself i checked it today foul first of thailand uh has got 1,590 points. And Benny, despite six titles, has got 1,560. So uh, Benny leads the high designation and Fal first leads the low. But yeah, in the overall where there's only one prize, Benny is not leading, which just seems insane. Uh, but anyway, there's Renan Brushy in there, uh, Patrick Leonard, Kelvin Kerber there. That makes up the top five. But uh, yeah, Fal first, uh, that uh, that Thailand-based player is uh, is in the lead. That's incredible. To win six titles and not be guaranteed player of the series. We'll see what happens in the last week. Finally, Howard, country's leaderboard. Yep, Brazil. 62 <laughs> wins. <laughs> they they won 70 last time, so they're going to beat that, I think. So I was being a bit down on them, I think, at the beginning, but they've gone a bit nuts. So, yeah, 62 for Brazil. <laughs> UK are uh, distant second with 32, which is basically how it's been, uh, you know, for... for 
I think all the coupes we've had probably over the last three or four years, uh, then there's Austria, Ukraine, Norway, Sweden, all the familiar ones, but there's no one coming anywhere near to Brazil with that 62 so far. Uh, Joe, I know you're a big fan of Howard, but you're really going to let him get away with Brazil goes nuts? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm off my game, I guess. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, I just I kind of I was thinking of it more from an actual perspective of what's been going on. It feels like, you know, the, all the like the Samba poker squad had like a locker room moment and they're just <laughs> screaming at halftime like, what are you doing? Only 18 titles in the first three days. Get your shit together, Brazil. Yeah, they, they have had. They have had. I think it was yesterday or the day before. They had eight in a night, so that was the kind of uh, that was back to their more standard. That was their uh, remember returns. the Titans moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Howard, we will talk more next week on the live streams and on the podcast when you will present our W Coop wrap up. But for now, thank you very much. Nice one. Speak soon. Cheers. Now, during EPT Barcelona, PokerStars announced the return of the North American Poker Tour. And for those of you who don't know your history, this tour ran, briefly, from 2010 to 2011. So, just to be clear, in just over a month, we've got the first NAPT in more than a decade taking place in the poker capital of the world. Yes, NAPT Las Vegas is coming soon. And to talk about that and other stuff happening in the USA... We are delighted to be joined by the VP of PokerStars North America, Steve Price. Steve, welcome. Hey, uh, thank you for having me. How long have you guys been doing this podcast? Since 2015. Seven years, how eight have, years. This, yeah. How is this the first time that I'm on it? Um, well, you were working for a company whose <laughs> staff we don't generally invite onto the podcast, Steve. That's fair. I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to take offense to it. I get it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> And I think part of that time, too, you were not in poker for a minute, right? Which does lead to my first question. Like, how did you end up here? Look, I'm going to tell everyone right now. This guy, Steve Price, Chops, as I know him, st was, was came, me and James and Steve all came on the poker scene basically at the exact same year, 2005. James had been in a little bit beforehand, but we all started the World Series of Poker 2005. Chops started off as a guy who was like a funny blogger. And now he's like my boss's boss's boss or something like that or is about to be or whatever. <laughs> so how did we go from the Wicked Chops blog to vice president of North America Poker Stars, please? Listen, that, that, um, that blog was essentially done for us to figure out a way. I did it with uh, two other end of three, actually, three other people, uh, the Cooley brothers, Charles Simmons. Um, and that was a way for us to figure out how to get into the poker industry. Actually, we, you know, we, when poker exploded, uh, in 2003, the media coverage around it was not really prepared for that explosion. It was fairly geriatric. It was, uh, people that, uh, had been covering the sport since like the eighties and nineties, but maybe didn't reflect the new audience, the new player that was coming into the fold. And we wanted to create something that spoke to that group, to that, to that new world of players coming in. 
Um, what that did was essentially, Joe, bring me into the industry into a company called Poker Royalty. I think you're very familiar with them. They were representing all the top players at the time, but also uh, media brands, TV brands, all of that. So while I never did the player representation for Poker Royalty, I ended up being, I think it was EVP of new media, um, which meant I had oversight of our partnerships with TV programs, with digital media properties and uh, doing some like M&A work with them as well, finding that type of opportunity. So that really is is where I was focused, let's call it from 06 to 2012, 13. Uh, ended up at Churchill Downs uh, as they were the owner of Bluff Magazine, RIP Bluff, Bluff Magazine. I think we all really miss Bluff. Uh, that was a great brand and good read. But I uh, had some oversight of that as well as just, again, like looking at M&A opportunities, market access partnerships that we could have if we actually entered iGaming in states as it was slow to uh, regulate. Then, Joe, yes, as you said, got out of the industry for a little while, did some consulting with John Caldwell, ex-PokerStars employee that we all know and love, and Chris Grove, probably the top analyst in the gaming industry, and tried to figure out uh, ways to bring esports brands into the fold, into gaming, and uh, and actually writing uh, regulations for jurisdictions that were opening up globally. Uh, some, some pretty meaty work there, Joe and James. So from that, uh, led me to uh, GG Poker and spent a few years there, and it was a uh, incredible ride up. As as you guys know, the the, the growth and the explosion that they had uh, managed that WSOP deal for them and actually put that together and uh, ran global operations there for a couple of years. But uh, was thrilled after three years that were fantastic there, but looking for something else uh, and a new challenge. And that challenge was Flutter and Poker Stars. And uh, I could not be happier to be here. This is an incredible company, top to bottom, being Flutter and being Poker Stars. And uh, here I am now talking to you two fine gentlemen. So now that you have seen the light, and now you are part of the PokerStars family, <laughs> uh, what what are you most excited about, Steve? And I know you're excited about a lot of things. So if you had to boil it down to a top three with that particular lens on your part of the world, what are your priorities? Sure. Yeah, I guess uh, because it's so right immediately in front of our face, the NAPT, which you referenced at the beginning. Yeah. Um, one thing that we have seen post-COVID is the appetite for live events for poker players is enormous. So if you look at the success that EPT has been having since it's come back into the fold, but also look at WSOP and the record-breaking numbers this, this past year, World yeah. Poker Tour and some of their premium events are doing fantastic. And what we did, our first really dipping our toe back into the water for live events, which was Philly Live. Stapes, you were there. Give me your thoughts on Philly Live. Uh, well, first of all, it was incredible to see our branding in a casino in America, uh, to see our awesome. videos playing on the monitors, to see PokerStar staff walking around. But yes, my experience uh, in this this uh, event was no different that the sort of tours that are hitting America right now are just wildly popular. People are dying to come out and play poker for like the like a, a five hundred to two k price point, and the field sizes are great as well as just attitudes. People are having so much fun 
at these events. And, you know, granted, I haven't been on the American poker scene much either. Even pre-pandemic, I was spending most of my time in Europe. So just seeing, um, you know, th this event in particular uh, with the poker star's name on it, the, the same field size and fun that I've seen on other tours now with poker stars being involved in it is like incredibly exciting and the people are happy to see it again too even if they don't i think sometimes people aren't always super aware of what brands are doing what things but when they get there and they see it's a poker stars event all of a sudden it clicks for them and they're they're back in it like 10 years ago summer series at philly live we set what we thought were maybe fairly aggressive guarantees, lofty goals, and we doubled the guarantees at that. So that, again, just shows you in, in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, that's really where Philly Live draws from. Uh, the appetite for live events, and particularly as as Joe, you stated, with, with Poker Stars branded live events, and seeing that Poker Stars brand uh, in a in a live casino is just phenomenal. I'll give another example. Mount Airy is our partner in Pennsylvania. We actually have a Poker Stars branded room there. It is a, a, not hyperbole here. It's a gorgeous room, and our our branding in it looks amazing. So getting that kind of footprint for the Poker Stars brand in live venues. Uh, is is really the next step of what we're looking at here in North America. So then how does that go to NAPT and what we're doing there? Um, the, the NAPT event in Vegas, November 4th through 12th, um, is really our first foray, again, bringing that brand into the market. But how is going to be a more, I would say, integrated approach of offline and online marketing, how we drive players to that, and then how we drive players back onto the platform. I think you're going to see some fairly innovative things there at NAPT on that. That's one. Two is this is essentially our launching pad or point for bringing the NAPT back in full scale in 2024. We're working on what will be a full schedule for it for next year. Um, we want to essentially copy and paste a lot of what's going on with the EPT. Um, you know, getting to spend time with both of you in Barcelona at that event. Th there's not a more, uh, I would say world class poker event than what's going on with EPT. And I want to bring that ethos and that mentality to North America, uh, the branding, the player journey, the overall player experience, and just how player focused it is. If you go back to the Poker Stars DNA, to the Esai years, going back to 2003, um, you know, and through, through his tenure and oversight of the company, it was always player focused. It was always what's best for the largest swath of players that are interested in poker and how do we service them in the best possible way the EPT does that the experience there again is phenomenal and that's what we're going to bring to the NAPT as well I couldn't be more excited about it so that's one James you asked me for three. I was going to say but before we move on to two and three let's talk a little bit more about the NAPT um, because I don't know whether you know this Steve in the various conversations we've had the very first time Joe and I met the very first time we worked together was the last time there was an NAPT in Las Vegas back in February of 2010. So, yeah, NAPT Las Vegas is important in our personal history, as well as being a very exciting event to be bringing back. The, what is it, the week before the Formula One Grand Prix? 
Yeah, no, I'll get into that. So one, I love like the poetry and the symmetry of the fact that that's where you guys met. And now we're bringing it back and here you are going to be involved with it. And yeah. A critical, critical component of us bringing it back, like having having both of you there, one for the live streams and the broadcast, because that's something that's going to happen with this, uh, you know, and two, just for being able to interact with the players, with the customers um, and, you know, what we're going to set up for some very player-focused events with meet and greets, with an ability to interact with, you know, personalities that they're familiar with, with, with you. And seeing, uh, it was great to see at EPT Barcelona uh, when players recognized both of you and how approachable that you guys both were, but how excited they were. Again, just to, just for the interaction. James, I know you're like, I'm just James Hartigan. Why, why, why are you guys so interested? <laughs> but they, but they are. So here we are now in North America, and you guys haven't, you know, been able to interact with that fan base that's very familiar with you. The live stream numbers for those EPT events have a very heavy American audience, as you know. Yes. So, um, so bringing that back to the U.S., uh, I think is going to have a really, really strong positive impact. Okay. So, what is number two on your list if the NAPT is number one? Here's what I'll do. It's going to segue into a couple of things here. Number two is content um, and uh, reevaluating our approach uh, to what we do with content and, and devising a strategy that I think is very 2023 and forward looking based um, around that. Now, some of that ties in directly to the F1 race and our partnerships and the way that we bring through our Red Spade Pass, through Power Path, through all of these new and exciting things that we are doing globally. We're implementing it for the first time in North America. So we will have players, our players, um, in very unique and cool situations for the F1 race. Now we capture content around that as well um, through some new ambassadors that might be coming on. We announced Maria Konnikova today, um, and that is uh, you know great to bring her back into the fold. She was associated with PokerStars before. You will see her at NAPT. But there are other content creators that we will be bringing on board and essentially embedding with our, with our players who have these experiences. So not only will we be creating our, let's call more PokerStars branded content, um, but Red Bull will be creating content um, that will be pushed out through their channels, highlighting and showcasing these really cool experiences that you only get with PokerStars. Um, We've talked about owning the poker conversation. Uh, we've talked about creating epic experiences for our players, things that they can enjoy only through poker stars via things like the Red Spade Pass. So we'll be capturing that content both through the poker stars, more corporate channels, but through individuals that I think reach a new uh, the new generation of poker players. I think that's probably the best way to put it um, to generate excitement around the brand. That's two. And we'll be doing that at every event, not just NAPTs and and uh, and through uh, uh, through Red Bull, but through our partnerships with MLSE and Ontario, the Red Wings, and some other partnerships that will be announced very very soon. So it's kind of interesting, Steve, that you mentioned that because you and I have a similar origin story in poker. That you know you started your blog that was trying to talk to a new generation of poker fan. I didn't really have a, an idea. Um, I wasn't as as 
aware of what I was doing as you were at the time, but I was doing the same thing. I came onto the poker scene saying, hey, um, this coverage is stiff. This coverage is boring. Um, we need to figure out a way to make this entertaining and exciting. And now we're sort of the older guys now. We're the guys that understand that maybe we aren't as in touch uh, with how new audi- newer audiences consume media, consume content. So now we have to figure out who are the people that are dialed in? Who are the people that that are the the Stapes and Steve Price of 2005, but now in 2023? And it sounds like we've got some some things in the hopper of folks that 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 do kind of uh, understand that communication better than we do now. Stapes, I've always said one of the most underrated traits a person can have is self awareness, and you kind of hit on it there, like. We're older now, um, and it's important to recognize what you know and what you don't. Um, and while I have a very strong grasp and understanding of where new generation of players would consume content, what I probably can't speak to because I've aged out on it is how to actually produce that content. So we're bringing in people that understand that audience, can speak to that audience better than maybe you and I can and in our more advanced age states. Sure. And it, and it hurts. It hurts. It definitely hurts my ego a little bit, right? Like I want to be that person still, but also not only have we aged out, but we've sort of moved beyond that too. In that, you know, but my, my skills are best used in commentary and on, and doing TV, not taking my phone out and going recording a bunch of stuff. So I'm glad that we have people that can cover that end of things as well. Joe, I think you're very in touch for someone who's 53 years old. <laughs> Thanks pal. Thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah. So, so James, I got a number three for you too. Yeah. Go for it. So what we are doing currently online with tournaments, I think needs to be addressed as well. We talked at the very beginning about this, about the appetite for live events and what we're seeing in turnouts for, for those types of tournaments. We're also now seeing it online. So I've got inherited an incredible leadership team. Uh, the, the talent that we have on staff, the Rob Batistas, Tom Bostics, Stacey Wickstons, Carol Taggart's, Brent Rovner's, RJ, like my team is phenomenal. And we have challenged them to look at maybe a more lofty expectations on what we set for our tournament series. So in North America, we're doing the NA Coupe, the Coupe, and came out with the largest guarantee that has ever been placed on a North American or a U.S. series, 7.5 million in guarantees. We're going into the main event, um, you know, this coming weekend, and we are pre-main event. We have exceeded our guarantees by just over $1 million. I think we crossed the $1 million threshold today and what we're exceeding in the guarantees. And this was a guarantee that my team internally didn't know if they could hit or not because we've never tried something like this before. But now we have. We've seen that there is an audience for this, um, that the players do want to participate in series like this with these types of guarantees and that we can hit those guarantees on our own without having to, you know, spliff it with, uh, with, you know, drops and tickets into the, into the player base. They're hitting it on their own. So couldn't be more proud of the team for what they've been able to execute, but also it's a good harbinger for things to come, what we can expect for the next year. And the fact that we are going to push this. And I think it's great for the players. The players want this. It's, uh, you know, it's building what we need to bring in more states, more states in the liquidity pool and what we can offer them in the coming years. 
So you brought up other states because at the moment we're talking about three states where PokerStars is operating online. There will be a lot of poker fans in the US right now who are seeing the return of the NAPT. They're seeing our TV shows on Fox Sports. They're hearing you talk about signing people like Maria Konnikova and be thinking, does that mean PokerStars is about to expand across the US? Do we need to do some expectation management right now with how quickly things are going to happen? Yeah. It's always good to manage expectations when it comes to two things. How quickly the US things government. move <laughs> yes, in the U.S. government and products. Um, you know, th- those are two things that you get timelines that never seem to actually hit. Um, and me, with a, a, a lifetime of, of background in technology, um, I can say that, that, you know, very rarely do you hit your tech deadline and very rarely do you hit your government uh, expectations on when something might pass. What I can say is that we are very active in trying to bring other states in the fold and other states in the fold um, for liquidity, for shared liquidity, bringing them, bringing them into the compact. And that goes not just within the United States, but Canada as well as you're looking at provinces like Alberta and British Columbia that are actively looking at and assessing, you know, launching iGaming and uh, whether or not we can bring that into a shared liquidity pool. Um, What I don't want to say is, like, we expect this and this for sure by next year. Um, And when you're talking about the expectation setting, what I can say is we are doing everything that we can to expand. I think there's a greater focus today um, than there has been previously on what our efforts are going to be in lobbying and getting those states to come into the fold. Um, This is something that's a personal focus of mine. Um, Again, we can only do, you know, our best efforts and putting forth the case on why poker is a game of skill, why it should be included in, you know, bills that are coming up and passing, why the consumers, the the residents, the citizens of those states would appreciate that and the revenues, the tax revenues, the job revenues that it'll bring in for those states. We are actively pursuing that. Um, it's in the state legislators' hands. And all I would ask is if you live in a state that, uh, that you would like to see passed as we're looking at what I, I think 43 states like, or 45 states basically that don't have it is to send letters and emails to your state reps on why it's important. We're doing what we can on our end uh, to get it passed. Yeah. And I know that's what you always encourage people to do, Joe, when they uh, write a question in the chat on Twitch or YouTube asking, why is PokerStars not in insert name of state here? It's not like we're just ignoring you. It's not like we don't want to be there. But obviously, it has to be regulated. It has to be licensed. It has to be legal. Um, And you're absolutely right. You need the poker community to get behind that to make it happen. Yes. Yeah, we want that regulation. You know, we the the reality is, um, poker <laughs> poker stars is the leader in basically every regulated market, um, and you know we we are the cleanest, whitest icon. We're clean, we're white, we're an incredible operator as far as how we follow regulations and and what we do in every single regulated territory, state, market. We're the market leader. We are. Um, And I think that's something that we need to trumpet and discuss a little bit more. Um, I think it speaks very well to the teams that we have, our marketing efforts, our product, everything else. But uh, having said that, we need to get more states and provinces passed in North America, and we're doing everything we can. Steve, I'm willing to take any congressman, any senator out to a basketball game, out to dinner, whatever, whatever you need. Send me to Washington. 
I will march up the steps of Capitol Hill. Let Uncle Daddy show them a good time. We'll have we'll have forty states legalized in the next five years. I guarantee. It. Guarantee the anti-bribery and corruption team. <laughs> um, now the good slash bad news, Steve, is just because you're a PokerStars exec doesn't mean that you get away from competing in one of Joe's trademark stupid games. All right, that's Bring right. It. The one thing that my career is based on that I'm still clinging on to to dear life is making guests play very dumb trivia games at the end of our interviews. Uh, now, St- Steve, we know Steve has chops. I, St- uh, James only learned Steve's first name like six months ago. So uh, <laughs> chops is what he was known by. And, and the story behind the nickname of chops is a long one. And I might say not even particularly interesting because it was like something that someone it, you like inherited it. Right. It's not even something you really uh, I'm the third chops. Yes. In a yeah. lineage. So what I did first thing I had to do is like, hey, man, is it like now that you're VP? Is it OK? This will call you chops. And he was like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. So. This week's trivia game is called Everyone Loves a Chop Spot, and it's about how people got their nicknames. Uh, Quick little trivia quiz about famous nicknames throughout history, and uh, it's multiple choice. So all you have to do is say which of these is the correct answer. Question number one, U.S. President Andrew Jackson had the nickname Old Hickory for which reason? Was it because he was a master smoker slash barbecuer? He was adept at woodworking. It was the name of a giant stick he used to beat people, or he invented the Hickory Farms cheese catalog. So what I know, uh, what I know of him and his military history, I feel like it's got to be C, the third option. That is correct. It was based because he had a giant stick that he used to Fantastic. carry around and beat people. That is correct. Love it. Question number two. Which NBA player was known as the Brown Mound of Rebound? Was it? I just go, can you just go Charles Barkley? You know, Charles Barkley is correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Two for two. Question three. A nickname for the city of London is The Big Smoke. How did it get that nickname? Is it because of the fog from the wet slash cold climate? Is it because of the smog from coal burning houses and industry? Is it because of the cigar and tobacco trends of the early 1900s, or is it because of a Cheech and Chong movie? So I know that most people would probably pick A because of the branding on like London Fog. If you watch Mad Men, they they deconstructed the fact that there actually is no real fog in London, so it's gotta be B. B is correct. Smog from the coal burning houses and industry. Three for three on the nicknames. Here we go, question number four. Which model of car was nicknamed the Tin Lizzie? Was it the Ford Fairlane? This is a tough one. The Ford Thunderbird, the Ford Model T, or the 6000 SUX? I appreciate the Robocop reference there. <laughs> wow. Um, the mic, this is the toughest one, Joe. I'm gonna try and do some uh, deductive reasoning and go with A. The Ford Fairlane is incorrect. It was actually the Ford Model T. Model T, that's right. Yeah. It's going back and forth between those. Okay. Pretty good. You narrowed it down to two. Question number five. You're already, uh, you need one more to have a winning score. I think you're going to get this one. Uh, The house that Ruth built is the nickname for which structure? Do you want to say it outright? Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium is correct. 
at your winning score now. The next two uh, are a little tougher, I think. At least this one is. How did astronaut Buzz Aldrin get his nickname? Is it A, his piloting antics constantly caused alarms and buzzers to go off? Is it B, his brother pronounced the word brother as buzzer? Three, he was constantly getting buzzed for getting questions wrong in his oral exams. Or, excuse me, or, or that was the C, sorry. Or D, he literally makes a buzzing noise everywhere he goes. Uh, Do you know what? what? For, for all these years, I thought it was because he had like a tightly shaved head and had a buzz cut. Not the oh, what, what? What's, uh, uh, I actually like recently read this too, and I'm totally blanking. I'm going to go with B. His brother pronounced the word brother as buzzer is correct. Yes. So they just started wow. calling him buzz. Steve is one question off. He can go six for seven. Question number seven. Which two musicians are together known as the Glimmer Twins? Is it Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, Bruce Springsteen and Stevie Z, Simon and Garfunkel, or Casey and JoJo? Casey and JoJo? Casey and JoJo is not correct. It's actually Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, the one you instantly shook your head they are known as the Glimmer, Glimmer Twins. Twins. Yeah, James, I probably... James, explain that one to me. I have absolutely no idea. I'm a Beatles fan, not a Stones fan. But I can tell you that you did go five and two, Steve. So that is a winning score. Congratulations. Very, very few people on this podcast have achieved a winning score in one of Joe's dumb games. So here's wow. the, the Glimmer Twins explanation. An older English couple on a ship kept asking Keith Richards and Mick Jagger who they were. When they refused to reveal their identities, the woman kept asking, just give us a glimmer, a.k.a. give us a hint about who you are. And they were referred to as the Glimmer Twins. All right. No, so, learn something new every day. That, that, that's one that I'm going to tuck away and, and, and use for, uh, uh, for some trivia among my friends. That's a good one. I kind of hope that explanation would have been more interesting. Um, Steve, thank yeah. you very much for your time. Yeah. Suffice to say, I... I know Joe is as well. We are very excited for the return of the NAPT. Very much looking forward to that event in Vegas at the start of November. Looking forward to hearing more about plans for 2024. And look forward to seeing you on the other side of the Atlantic very soon. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Before we go, we're going to give this week's superfan the opportunity to win some prizes. We say hello to Mark Johnston. Hello, Mark. Hi, James. And where are you calling us from today? I'm actually in Biggleswade in Bedfordshire in the UK. Biggleswade? You're making yeah. it up. Yeah, no, I've no, never heard of it before, but uh, yeah, it's a sleepy little village called Biggleswade. Yeah. And in time-honored fashion, what is your deal, bro? Okay, I'm a London cab driver, born and bred in London, and uh, now working as a black cab driver, and have been for the last 32 years. Oh my goodness, that's crazy! So, look, you picked the, you picked Hamilton instead of the knowledge. I mean, you could have <laughs> challenged me to the fucking knowledge. I would have loved to get destroyed on which oh, well, way maybe next time. on how maybe to get to time. the O2 from Heathrow. I mean. 
Jeez, that's um, that's really impressive, Mark. The, I there are very few professions that come with the legend, like the lore that a London cab driver comes with. You just must have seen some shit. Yeah, no, I have. I've, I've seen some shit over the years, um, but some good stuff as well. It's a good job, and I still love it after all these years. But yeah, it's it's good fun. It's good fun. To coin a cliche, do you go south of the river? Always. Um, in fact, yesterday, I didn't go anywhere other than south of the river. I went down to Wimbledon. I went to Merton. I'm sure these places that Joe's familiar with. Did you go to um, Mordor? Pretty much. I went to Blackheath, which is twin with <laughs> Mordor. Yeah, I did go to Blackheath last night. So I was, yeah, I couldn't get north, despite living in Bedfordshire. I couldn't get home last night. And I can see behind you, Mark, that uh, you are also a massive movie fan, it seems like. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Live, breathe, move. In fact, um, on Monday, I picked up Edgar Wright, believe it or not, and had a nice chat with him. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Was, was that a you'll never believe who is in the back of my cab story, Mark? <laughs> One of those moments, yeah. I've got plenty of those, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Did you know who he was right away? Um, no, I, I, I've got to be honest. I was hearing in the conversation a little bit, and I just put two and two together. Nice. I did a quick Google. And saw it was him, and then just had a, and started chatting, and uh, yeah, and really nice guy. Well, I assume if you're a super fan, you heard the episode where we played Michael Sarah versus the world, and that is uh, that was based on the Edgar Wright movie. Edgar Wright, exactly, yeah, and um, you know the the, the Cornetto trilogy, and and last night in Soho, and all that, yeah. So cool. yeah, really nice guy. So, what's your relationship with poker, Mark? Are you a relatively new player, or do you go back donkey's years? Oh, too many years, too many years. Um, I've been playing poker far too long to be still as bad as I actually am at it. But, um, <laughs> hey, same. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been playing since I was very young um, and been for poker stars for donkey's years as well. So, yeah, but I just can't seem to get out of the, uh, the micro stakes. But it keeps me happy. Okay, well, we're going to give you the chance to play a little bit higher because there is a $109 bronze power pass on the line. Um I do have to ask the question. Joe's already revealed that your specialist subject is the musical Hamilton. Why? Yeah. I just fell in love with it. Um, initially, I couldn't see the appeal. Um, and then playing poker after a shift one night, and I just put it on in the background. I started listening to the lyrics and getting into the tunes and gradually got hooked on it. And since then, I've become the family Hamilton geek. Um I I think you're going to smoke me in this. I do have a weird, almost sort of glitch in the matrix. Now, I went to go see a friend uh, musical performance this week. Her name is Lorinda. And Lorinda's friend is an actor named Holt McCallany. Does that ring a bell with either of you? No. Not me, Joe. No. Holt McCallany plays uh, FBI agent Bill in the show Mindhunters. Okay. Okay. And Mind Hunters, the other agent is King George from In Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. So I had a weird little <laughs> one degree connection from Hamilton or two degrees, I don't know what you count that as, um from Hamilton this week. I rewatched okay. most of Hamilton. When I say most, I didn't realize this. I was like Look, I saw Hamilton in the theater. I saw the original cast, I believe. I know Lynn was in it when I saw it. I wasn't super impressed. Um, it could have been the state of mind. Could have been the person I went to go with. It was could have been the fact that the tickets were eight hundred dollars each. And poker, poker connection. The only reason I got to go is because I took a piece of my friend in a poker tournament a couple of days before, and my my 
portion was exactly sixteen hundred dollars. It was like wow. it was like kismet. It was supposed to be. So I didn't love it. Now I will say that I rewatched the Disney Plus version, most of it last night. The first yeah. two hours of the two hours and forty minutes of runtime in this, and I'll say I liked it better. I liked it better. I think maybe I could understand the lyrics better watching it at home, and I could get a little more of the history, um, some, some more of the references. But one thing that's still really I, I find kind of cringe is people laughing at bad Broadway humor. Like that, I still kind of <laughs> I'm like I'm like ah, like ah, no, these please don't please don't giggle oh, these that's- cute little. Tons of, of phrase. charm of Broadway shows. Uh, I also have no, I've never seen it live. I've only seen the uh, the film production that, that premiered on Disney Plus. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Sadly, Patrick was not a fan, but he did go to the effort of putting together a ten question quiz. And okay. the usual format, the usual rules apply. Mark, you know how it works. You get to go first. So please give me a number between one and ten. Um, sorry, Joe. I'll take number nine. That's all Joe's right. lucky number <laughs> nine. Oh, curious whether you know this one. Which U.S. banknote features Alexander Hamilton's face? The $10. It is the $10 bill for two yeah. points. That was a Joey. good move. That was a good move. I mean, I like in a quiz like this, I'm not sure how many I'm going to get. And that was a de- slam dunk for me. God damn yeah. it, Mark. Oh, okay. you got that one. You Joe got that denied one. two points, but you can have any number other than nine, Joe. Okay. Dude, comedy has something called the rule of threes. So I'm going to go with number three. Number three. What is the name of the island that Alexander Hamilton originally came from? I th- this is something that I should have clocked and known and been it's able definitely to get. mentioned in the first two hours of the musical I, yes I know um, would you like the multiple choice I'll take the choices yeah I think I'll get it on the choice but is he from Nevis St Kitts Antigua or Martinique Antigua it was Nevis and we have a two nil <laughs> game as we go into the second round. Three and nine have gone. Mark, all other numbers available. I'll take number one, please, James. What is the final song in the musical Hamilton? I'm going to say it was The World Was Wide Enough. Would you like the multiple choice options? In the choices. Yeah, go on, I'll take the choices. This is your one mulligan, by the way. Is it Burn, Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story, One Last Time, or What Comes Next? Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. It is for one point. No yeah. more mulligans. Joseph, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, or ten? I'm running bad as usual. Those are two questions I definitely would have got. Uh, let's go ten. Number ten. Who killed Alexander Hamilton? Aaron Burr. For two points. And we're into the third round. You have a one-point advantage, Mark. Two, four, five, six, seven, or eight? Eight, please, James. Question number eight. In what year did Alexander Hamilton die? Oh, I'm gonna struggle with that one. I've got choices, please. You can. The options are 1774, 1789, 1804, or 1819. I'm gonna try 1804. For a point. So, Joe, if you can get the next question right without taking the options, we will have a tie going into the penultimate round. Two, I, four, five, I, six, or that seven. Can't, that can't be true because Mark Mark should have, right, five points. How has he got five? 
Didn't he get two without the choices and two with? No. Uh, one with? No. No? Okay. One without right. one without the options, one mulligan with the choices, uh, okay. and one just now right. with the choices. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Okay. Don't just question my that. scorekeeping. I just don't want to screw Mark. Uh, okay, question number eight. Question number eight has gone. Two, four, five, six, or seven available. Seven, seven, excuse me, seven. In the opening song, Alexander Hamilton, how many things has Hamilton not done? <laughs> I'll take the choices. Is it a thousand, a million, a hundred, or a dozen? A million. I would say that even people who haven't seen the show know that lyric. Yes, it is a million. And we have a 4-3 game. Penultimate round. Two, four, five, or six, Mark. Two, please. Who became president after George Washington? John Adams. For two points. Four, five, or six, Joe. <laughs> Four. What's the name of the pamphlet that Hamilton publicizes his affair in? Uh, I'll take the choices. Is it the Paddington pamphlet, the Hamilton pamphlet, the Jefferson pamphlet, or the Reynolds pamphlet? The the Hamilton pamphlet? Ah, oh, it just was too obvious, wasn't it? No, it was the Reynolds pamphlet. <laughs> so, five or six for your final question, Mark? Um, I'll take five, please, James. In what year was the musical released as a film exclusively on the Disney Plus platform? <laughs> Got a choice of two years. I don't think the choices would help me, but I'm going to guess at 2020. It was 2020 at the height of lockdown, giving you eight points. Joe, question number six. In what city did Hamilton attend college? New York City. It was for two points, meaning your final score is five. So... With a three-point margin of victory, Mark, you are a winner. Congratulations. You have taken oh, down this edition of Superfan versus Stapes. Thanks very much. I'm pretty appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you. And that means you get the bronze power pass. It also means you get the pite merch as well. So, as ever, we'll get in touch with you. We'll get your details and we'll ship you your prizes. That's great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. Thank You're you welcome, Mark. Thank, good, good job. And, uh, hey, hopefully I'll... Uh, be in the back of your car sometime. Make sure you say what's I'll up. I'll look out for you. I'll look out for you sometime. <laughs> I think you will get recognized. Mark, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the show today. All the best. Cheers. All right, my babies. That's just about all the time we've got for this week's show. Coming up next time, it's our WCOOP Wrap It Up. WCOOP will be over one last chat with WCOOP correspondent Howard Swains to tie WCOOP up in a neat little bow. And we're playing it fast and loose with a guest because we want to get someone relevant to WCOOP. But also WCOOP is still happening until the day before we record. So we are working on it. I would say, Joe, that we should probably hit up Benny Glaser. I don't think anything is going to happen in the last week of the series that is going to eclipse his achievement. I don't think anyone is going to come through and win seven titles in the space of the last few days. Except for him. He could still win seven. He could still win eight. Fine. So he's still going to be relevant. So yeah. I come back to my earlier point. We should definitely hit him up. Benny can be tough to schedule sometimes, but my guess is in this, he's going to make the time. I think he's like very <laughs> interested in taking the victory lap as well he yes. should be.
Yes, 100%. Um, so earlier on, you were talking about working your way through the Indiana Jones films. Next week's superfan subject is Raiders of the Lost Ark. So is that movie still fresh in your memory? Yeah, and it's a movie that like that predates like my brain blockage. Like I, I would have been pretty okay. good at Raiders anyway. So I, whoever's who is coming up next week, uh, whoever it is, you're you, I, 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 you're gonna have a tough time. I think. Well, and here is a hashtag fun fact related to Raiders. Paul Freeman, who plays the villain Belloc in Raiders, was on my flight back from New York. Oh wow! I saw him waiting in line <laughs> and. I mean, he's been in so many films. People will remember him from Hot Fuzz. And he also has a role in The Long Good Friday, which remains one of my favorite films of all time. I had to just go over and say, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm a huge fan of your work. And The Long Good Friday remains one of my favorite films of all time. And he smiled and went, it's one of my favorites, too. That's cool. That's really cool. Man, I got to fight. I got to meet someone for Raiders of the Lost Ark this week just to compete with you. I got to see what Karen Allen is up to. All right. So... <laughs> Uh, hey, Discord, everybody. I've been like in the Discord, like wanting to talk about the show, wanted to talk about the mystery cash challenge, and it's kind of dead in there. So if people actually want to watch some of this stuff or chat about anything from the show, you want to chat about Hamilton, you want to weigh in on anything that we talk about, you want to, you want to, has anyone seen The Vanishing? Do you want to go, uh, go talk about Kenneth Branagh's new movie, The Vanishing? Please, <laughs> let's chat about it. Everything you can find, there's a link to the Discord in the podcast description. On behalf of your girlfriend, I'd like to point out it's the Vanisher. The, sorry, the Vanisher. Right, the Vanisher. Thank you. <laughs> and now I'm screwing your, up her screwed up name. But but your version, ironically, is it, closer is to the title movie. of the original movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I would say that we probably need to bring back comment of the week. I'm going to say that maybe I'll raid the cupboard, see if we have any prizes that we can give away, and maybe we can start sharing some of your comments from Discord on the show, reading out some of your comments, and if something is deemed to be worthy of winning, comment of the week, it might just receive a prize. Alright, there we go. Now we're incentivizing you. If, it's, if talking to us wasn't enough, now we might give you some Bribery shit. works. We will fucking buy your love, just like well, some of your parents did. All right, my babies, that is just about all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.